Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. How does Jared Vanderbilt's injury change what LA might do at the deadline? That's next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free. It's never behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 22,000 subscribers to the channel, all of whom are wondering what exactly the Lakers are going to do uh, around the deadline, which is this week. It's it's happening. It's this week. Um, now that Jared Vanderbilt is out for at least several weeks, and perhaps we'll talk about this, as much as the entire season. Um, it's kind of sh- starting to shade that way in ways that are really depressing. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Andy, this is a particularly appropriate sponsor for today's show because the Lakers do have a job opening available for uh, point-of-attack defenders um, and other guys who might be able to fill the void that is left by Jared Vanderbilt. Please feel free to send in an application, a CV, as they might say. Uh, but in all seriousness, this this injury... But seriously, be, folks. <laughs> please, tip your bartender. Um, try the veal. But the- <laughs> Brian just flew in from Denver to deliver that joke, and boy, are his arms <laughs> tired. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, the cat skills are lovely at this time of year. But anyway... Um, this really does significantly change, particularly you know whether it's whether it's you know six weeks or the rest of the season. Jared Vanderbilt's injury has a profound impact on what the Lakers would look to do at the deadline. This is a this is a massive deal for the Lakers to happen, you know, inside of a week before the deadline. I mean, you mentioned the point of attack defense that they're going to be without. Uh, as long as Vando's on the shelf, he is by far the best perimeter defender on this team, certainly the most versatile. But he's also arguably pound for pound the best rebounder on this team. He is definitely the best rebounder not named Anthony or Davis or LeBron really, really in the zone. It is fourth quarter. Got to get bleep done, James. Like Unless you're talking about LeBron in that zone or just Anthony Davis – He's the best rebounder on this team. He's, the, I think, the best at just getting extra possessions for this team. And he's not just an energy player to me, A, because I think he's more skilled than that, but also he's an energy player with an edge. Like Jared Vanderbilt brings an edge and like a physicality to this team that it can often be lacking. And I don't mean it like I consider this team soft because I don't, but there's a difference in just the physicality that certain guys bring. And Jared Vanderbilt is very much a physical player with a type of edge that comes with it. And they're going to have to – it's difficult to find those different characteristics on the market, especially in what's increasingly seeming like a pretty slow market, although you never know. Things always 
turn on a dime, but also too, you're trying to replace. <laughs> think about trying to replace all of that in one player, mm-hmm. like you had in Vanderbilt. It's a big deal. It, it, it's it's like you said. It's the singularity there that you know because there are other guys that can do some of the things. But I mean, I the energy, however you want to describe it, like the energy, I think is what creates some of that physicality. Just like he had become a guy. And I forget who it was post game after um, after he got hurt that referred to him as like the heart and soul of the team. Like it, there there is a you know that kind of lift that you get from somebody who is always on and always competing as hard as he can and always maximizing his potential. And I realize you know people want him to be a three point shooter, this that whatever. But like you cannot accuse Jared Vanderbilt of not maximizing what he's got. And the Lakers had done such a better job of figuring out, okay, you know, well, let's not try to do three and D um, with with Vando. Let's make him a part of the offense and make him useful. So we're not playing four on five. Maybe it's four and a half on five, whatever it is. But let's have him setting screens away and 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 back cutting and moving and all these other things, so that he is, um, not, you know, taking advantage of of the fact that he is going to be ignored, as opposed to standing in the corner three point line. And then, you know, generating offense through his his um, defensive activity, he really had started to change that offensive negative thing into something much more, at the very least, neutral or sometimes even positive. Um, the guy that gets pointed to a lot is Dorian Finney-Smith, and the Nets have said he will not be playing tonight. I don't know how injured Dorian Finney-Smith really is. I don't know uh, any of that. But he he's the closest thing that is on the market right now to something that Vanderbilt does. He's not quite the defender, not quite the point of attack defender that Vanderbilt is, is actually more of a productive shooter and consistent offensive player. So you get a little of that. But like, the asking price on Finney Smith reportedly has been very high. And maybe that comes down, but probably not if you're trying to extort a team that just lost their best defender. Well, I mean, this is what happens too when it seems like it is very much a seller's market. If there are only a few teams that appear to be dealing at all, you can jack up that asking price. And especially too, if your team... If you're a team like Brooklyn that is sort of going nowhere fast, on one hand, you'd like to correct that. But on the other hand, what's four more months of going nowhere fast? You can always do something with Dorian Finney-Smith this offseason. You know, I think a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, a guy like Royce O'Neal, a guy like Alex Caruso, like guys who are proven perimeter defenders in the case of Caruso – he is somebody that has proven he can defend up. You know, he can be a credible wing defender even against guys bigger than him because we, we've just seen him do this over and over. I think those guys fill a more immediate pressing need right now than DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you think DeJounte Murray is a better player than D'Angelo Russell, the guy that's linked to him most often, the gap between Murray and D'Angelo Russell is, in my opinion, not so big that it will offset everything that you are now going to be missing in Vanderbilt and, and the optionality that you lose uh, with perimeter defense with Vanderbilt. And that point of, unless you really believe that DeJounte Murray will be 
reinvigorated back to his effectiveness and reputation early in his career in San Antonio. I think those guys that we mentioned earlier, that type of player would be more of a pressing need for this player than Murray, even if Murray would be the splashier get. It's interesting because like you talk about Caruso, um, you know, the asking price in Chicago is reportedly astronomically high for somebody like Caruso, which makes some sense. Um, you do wonder if the if Zach Levine being out for the year impacts Chicago's decision making at all, but the Bulls are, if nothing else, a, a strangely run organization. And so it's hard to know exactly like you would think, you know, no Zach Levine, this core isn't that good anyway. Maybe we just take the opportunity to start moving guys. But then Caruso isn't necessarily the guy that you you automatically want to move. He might be somebody you'd want to keep. But there's one more complication. You'd also here. would think that they would have come to that conclusion, say, I don't know, two years ago. Like I said, it's a strangely run organization. But um, there is one more problem that is that that starts to come up when you get into guys like Caruso, for example, and how you could do it. If I could choose Caruso or Murray, I would take Caruso. There's no question. Um, and I want to I, I want to talk about that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by LinkedIn. And when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals who are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And it's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have quality candidates, that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So think about that. Finding who you need the first time within a day, it gives you that much more time to focus on your big picture goals. You are streamlining that process. LinkedIn even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process that much faster. 2.5 small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to grow on you. It's important to let that out, especially to somebody who is unbiased and can evaluate what you're doing with, with kind of a fresh perspective. And look, like we, we on this show, we get all emotional and we we start making a big deal out of you know Jared Vanderbilt's injury and like you know Torian Prince in the starting lineup instead of instead of Vanderbilt. And why does Darvin you know we get all wrapped up in, in stuff like this? And look, sports is important to us. Um, we care. We, that's why you know why we're all here. Um, but sometimes it goes a lot deeper than that. And the things that make us uh, excited, the things that make us sad, the things that 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 really engage us, they go deeper and you need someone to talk to uh, to help you work through problems that are, quite frankly, more important than your favorite sports team. So therapy can be different for everyone. 
Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. So the issue with the Lakers, Andy, or an issue with the Lakers as you get to the deadline is, you know, th- this gaping hole <laughs> that was that was blown in their rotation. They did a nice job on Saturday um, with what they did. And Max Christie played a lot of big minutes down the stretch. And I thought Darvin actually handled the rotation really well. Um, that's not going to work in every matchup and every game. And Vanderbilt's injury really does leave a giant hole in what they're doing. You can try to fill that or you can try to fill the other issue they have, which is backcourt, that defensive backcourt and the problems that are there and um, that were real, that we're getting them to to look at D'Angelo Russell as a potential trade chip anyway. But the odds of being able to fill both at the deadline are, at least to me, non-existent. I don't see how you can turn D'Angelo Russell... Gabe Vincent, Rui Hachimura, and the one pick that they have, even if you throw in Christie or guys like that, into two impact players, um, you know, Finney Smith and DeJounte Murray, you know, Alex Caruso and someone else. I just don't see how that happens. They don't have a lot of assets. And look, we we thought last year that they did not have a lot of assets that they could truly reconfigure the roster and Rob Palenka figured out a way to do it. So maybe there is more than we recognize this time around. Mm -hmm. You never know. And we might see a second year in a row where Rob Palenka is pretty creative. That being said, I agree with you. They are not working with a ton right now. And even if you wanted to be truly cold in this equation, you couldn't trade Jared Vanderbilt because of when he signed his extension He's actually not trade eligible. Mm-hmm. So he's, I mean, it's only about four and a half or $5 million. Like it's, it's not a massive chip to be working with to begin with, but you don't even have it to throw in to make salaries work or whatever. And you also run into an issue now too, where we're trading say two or three guys out to bring one in becomes problematic. You know, you can't put in Max Christie even reluctantly into a trade because if you're trading like Russell and Christie and you know something else, like you you're short rotation players. So even if you bring Dorian Finney Smith or somebody like that back, with the assumption that Finney Smith could help you, or you know, with the assumption that whoever you bring back will make your team better. Um, the, that losing that roster spot, losing that member of your rotation hurts, especially while Cam Reddish is still out. And I know he's an imperfect player who I have spent a lot of time criticizing. But oh. right now, they could certainly use him. I mean, he's he's an able-bodied guy. Yeah. You know, Look who misses Cam Reddish now. <laughs> Look who doesn't have Cam yeah, Reddish right. to kick around anymore. Exactly. You know, but like, can you turn Gabe Vincent into something useful? You know, look, uh, the, 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 the asking price on a guy could come down, like you mentioned in the first segment. You know, Royce O'Neal perhaps costs you a couple second rounders as opposed to, but like the other thing that makes it hard about trading rotation players for somebody like O'Neal is you do have to start to wonder how much you're getting better. Like you need to, you need to upgrade with what you're doing 
unless you're not giving away sort of human capital, so to speak. Like, well, if I you're mean, if you're giving up a couple second rounders to bring in Royce O'Neal, that's fine. If you're trading a player out to bring him in, it can become kind of a different thing. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you're trading out. I mean, if sure, you trade out, say, Jonathan Hood Shafino or Maxwell Lewis, you may you may not like the idea of those guys being gone down the road, but this season they're not likely to play a role. Um, it would be helpful if you knew when Reddish could be back or had an idea of it, because if you feel like it's going to be pretty close, you might be willing to take that chance in moving a rotation guy. It also would be helpful if it felt like you had enough assets that you could sweeten Gabe Vincent's contract because you have no, I, I get the sense that they have no idea if when Vincent's going to be back at all. So he's the heard guy, precious little about it. So right. He is the guy that in a cold perfect world you would be looking to move and attaching sweeteners to. It just the Lakers don't have a ton of sweeteners. You wonder how much do you actually want to include just to offset one guy. And, you know, Vincent, we both were fine with that signing in the offseason, but the reality is he is an unproven player in terms of large sample track record, and he's currently injured. And he's got two more years left on that deal. So exactly. he's a negative asset right now. It's, it's, a, it's a dicey spot to be in. And one of the things that I think – when the Lakers are trying to figure this stuff out, one of the things that I think factors into it in a really big way is Max Christie because he has gone from a guy that you know fans want to see more on the floor, if nothing else, to a guy that's going to have to play, particularly while Reddish is out. And so, you know, depending on what you do, again, if you attach him into a trade where D'Lo and or something like that, you've kind of created a little bit of a hole. But the other thing you have to think about too is like this role that that they are now putting Reddish in, I'm sorry, uh, Christie in, let's assume they don't make a deal. One of the things that's interesting about Christie is that when used poorly, asked to do the stuff he's not very good at, running the offense, initiating things, being the point, you know, kind of playing a sort of point guard, point forward sort of role, he really struggles. He has been very bad at that um, over the course of this season. When you have him doing more of what he did on Saturday, which is not orchestrating the offense, but being a very active defender who spots up for his shots, will attack the basket, can make the next pass, but is not responsible for running your offense, he can be quite effective. And what is opening up for the Lakers is more that than something that would require him to be a primary guy on the ball. I, I, I that, That's how I'm reading it, at least. It, it's very interesting right now when you mention Christie, and, and you know I, I have lobbied for him to play more. I, I've, I've, been, I've been a proponent of Christie, even while acknowledging I think the results have been very uneven. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really interesting about this moment they're in right now with Vanderbilt out, Reddish out, I think Darwin is going to have to start leaning on Christie and Rui more. Two players that I've said many times, I don't think Darwin trusts. I just don't think he inherently trusts either one of them as much as he, say, trusts Torian Prince. And 
not looking to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying he clearly trusts Tory, and I think in some ways he trusts Reddish more than he trusts Rui or Christie. Or well, yeah, players. I mean, I, I think with Rui, I think it's even more true than Christie. I think Christie, you can you can kind of divide. He's so easy to diagnose contextually when you think he's going to work and when you think he isn't. That I think it's easier for coaching staff to say this is the right time, the sure. wrong time. But I mean, but Saturday we'll talk about Rudy. Saturday was interesting because he, you know, he leaned on Christie hard down the stretch. D'Lo didn't play, and right. because they wanted that defensive versatility, they wanted, and they had Prince on the floor instead of Rui. And as we talked about in the in the post game, it actually made a lot of sense in the context of what they were doing. Other matchups, it will be interesting to see if they do put Rui and keep him in the starting lineup. Um, which is what Darwin said they're going to try to do going forward, whether or not he will still go to Torian, even in matchups that might be more favorable to Rui. So that remains to be seen, whether that's tonight. I don't know if anybody really understands what the Hornets are doing or what a, like who they're even going to play. Including but, the Hornets. Um, yeah, well, yeah. They'll, they'll be playing some Hornets. Um, that game, by the way, uh, you can catch every minute of that one and every other game that the Lakers play uh, on the hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search uh, Lakers. They cannot screw this up. We'll, we'll get to LeBron here in a second, but they cannot, you cannot screw this game up. You come home from this trip, you win this game tonight, you come home four and two in the kind of the most shocking way possible. Um, LeBron made that very clear after the game on the uh, ABC feed, like, you have to be professional about this game um, and not let it get away. Like, are you worried about this one? I'll tell you coming back next. Lockdown Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel and happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch. Got to have an armrest. That is key. Armrest and maybe a coffee table if you're lucky. Grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super bets. I love a parlay. Put together a few different categories across different spectrums. Live a little bit on the edge. It makes it the most fun and suspenseful. And FanDuel has so many different ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. And not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, FanDuel also has bets on which players will score a touchdown, who will score the first points of the game, how many points will be scored, so many other options. And of course, there are NBA bets tonight. The Lakers, 10.5-point favorites on the road against the Hornets. Man alive. 50-1, to 1, the Lakers are to win the title, not the Hornets. 500-1, to 1, LeBron is uh, to win MVP. Anthony Davis, 60-1 to 1 for Defensive Player of the Year. New customers join today. You get 260 Yep. 200 bucks in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the NFL. Before we get into this question of LeBron, somebody, I don't remember who, and I apologize for not giving you credit on Twitter at Cam Brothers noted to me, and we were so excited about this win over the Knicks and so many different facets of it. I did not notice Jackson Hayes played another 12 minutes and 30 seconds against the Knicks without a foul, which means over two games, Jackson Hayes has logged 46 minutes and 22 seconds with zero fouls. That is 
astonishing. This is like, like the this is like the equivalent of our OSHA calendar, like you know, like X amount of days without an accident at the workplace. I mean, I I noted this before. Uh, the first time I, I I put together that graphic myself, and I'm very proud of the art there. Um, Jackson Hayes. Wait, that's after- not really Jackson Hayes. No, that's actually what I did. Is that a Photoshop? I did that. You know what? I'm looking really closely now, and now I can kind of tell. But before, I thought it was authentic that he did that after the game. I made that, Brian. Um, (laughs) I did it all by myself. fake, thy name is Andy. (laughs) I used the old meme generator, and I did it myself. But anyway, Jackson Hayes, coming into the game against Boston, Per 36 minutes was averaging 6.6 fouls per game, which for those keeping score at home means he would foul out. These last two games have managed to bring him down to 5.8 fouls per 36 minutes. But just to, again, put in perspective how much fouling has been an issue for Jackson Hayes, the next closest guy to Hayes that's actually in the rotation, because otherwise the sample size is too small to make anything of it, can be super inflated is Christian Wood at 2.9. <laughs> so Hayes doubles him. That is again how incredible. Kudos to you. You don't get to take him home with I don't blame him for using him up. You don't get to take him home with you. They don't roll over to the next game. But, but you know what? He's talked before though about how that was keeping him off the floor. I mean, yeah. it, it was making it really difficult to play him. And these these last two games, Hayes has been terrific. He's yeah. really played well. It, it'll be it'll be interesting it to see how Darwin continues to break down that backup spot because dip, the, Wood has not played as, you know quite as great offensively, but I do think Hayes playing well motivates Wood. Um, well, you know to, to try a little harder. I don't know if you noticed, but it, against the Knicks, Wood did not play in the second half. Mm-hmm. He only got one shift in the game. Hayes got two. I do think it's going to be difficult for Darvin to play them both. Like, it, it, I think it's yeah, for sure. Maybe it's a little bit easier now that Vando is out. But even then, I just I think it's going to be hard to find enough minutes for them both where they can actually be in rhythm. But we'll, we'll see. see. Um, it, it, I, I am I'm interested in this starting lineup. I'm interested in. Um, what happens with Christie? Um, the, I do think the, the, you know, just kind of wrap that up before we get into LeBron. I, I, f- I do feel like this is an opportunity for the coaching staff and for Darwin to lean hard into the things that are that he is best at and really minimize um, the minutes because the need is there for the stuff that Christie is good at. And you know, I, I thought it was a great step that he closed with. Christie on the floor in a game that they just had to lock down defensively to try to win. I that was it shouldn't be perhaps, but that to me was like, oh, okay, no, no adjusting to the game situations. That's nice. No, it was, it was very interesting. I don't think it was lost on anybody. It, it helped that the Knicks, without Julius Randall, without uh, OG Ananobi, um, they're they're really without any it's type of front court yeah. scoring. So you really don't have to monitor anybody other than their guards, which you know made Max and Austin and Torian with everyone else that's out. It made them the most logical guys to go with. But no we sometimes see Darvin fight what you and I would consider logical. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. It, 
it was good to see that. And again, it was it didn't feel like a given to me because he I don't think really trusts Max. But the flip side is he doesn't trust Rui, and Delo's not who you're going to go there to defend. So you're out of dudes. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit of LeBron. Before the game on Saturday, LeBron was uh, asked both about the uh, hourglass emoji and whether or not he would like to elaborate on that. Uh, he said, nope. And he was also asked about his upcoming option this summer and whether or not he's made a decision about that, Andy. And he said, no. Um, a lot of headlines made out of four letters, basically combined. Two answers, four letters. Have you made a choice about what you're going to do? No. Do you want to elaborate on the emoji? No. Um, I certainly wasn't surprised that he didn't get into his option. I mean, that, even if he knew, knew exactly, even if things were going well with the Lakers and they were 10 games over 500, I would expect him to say, no, I have not made a choice about my option. No, there's no reason to box yourself in unnecessarily, regardless of what you want to do. And contextually right now, given the upcoming trade deadline and LeBron clearly feeling like some type of reinforcement would be nice to have, if he feels like saying that he's going to opt in would somehow lessen that pressure even incrementally, I don't blame him for wanting to keep his foot on the proverbial neck of Rob Belinka. Like there's, there's that's LeBron just using the leverage that he's gained over 21 years of right. being, you know, arguably the best player ever. Well, because, so that's you fine. know, obviously LeBron, I mean, hourglass emoji, all that stuff, like is clearly wants them to do is like his timeline. We've had this conversation before. LeBron's timeline is not the Lakers' timeline. And I don't expect LeBron to necessarily be concerned first and foremost with like the long-term health of the organization and what they look like seven years from now when he's been retired for four years or five years or one year or whatever the case may be. No, but, he made it pretty clear he didn't care how things fell out for Miami or Cleveland nope. either time. And and everybody everybody got a title out of it and everybody's happy. So yeah. you know and then so it's like because like the, the to be clear that does not mean that the Lakers have to cave to that pressure. Correct. No Lakers, it just means that they don't have to be in lockstep on what the you know broad organizational goals ought to be. Um LeBron though has two points. So let's say they make a trade this deadline this week at some point to try to improve that doesn't mean lebron isn't going to want them to continue to do more stuff in the off season so you know like yeah he's not going to answer that question with like sure of course i'm staying like no that's just, that's just not an option the emoji thing though i know you you always you consider yourself a student of the passive aggressive lebron uh it's called passive aggressive right? right but you know he, I guess he, he could have maybe leaned into that one a little more. Hey, I said at the time when LeBron sent out that emoji that that was one of those rare occasions where it didn't feel to me like he was being passively aggressive. It felt like he was being pretty straightforward. Um, and I feel like he, he took kind of a weak way out by not just saying, look, at the time when I sent that out, we were 24 and 25. You could just say time is running out for all of us to get our acts in gear. If we want to make something of this season, if someone said, is that a message to the front office? Just say, that's a message to everybody, myself included. 
We are running out of time to get ourselves righted. And that's it. That's all you really have to say. Like to send that out knowing what happens when you're a LeBron and you do anything on social media, period. But also this is this is sort of your corner. This, this is the thing that you do. And I don't have a problem with him doing it. But I, it's is it the end of the world? No. Is it a little bit weak? Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I, we can, we'll all be left to guess what to do. The trade deadline. I don't think we're guessing about a thing. No, not really. The trade no, deadline I, I, uh, chatter. <laughs> is, I have a pretty good idea what he meant. <laughs> it'll all continue to, to ramp up over the course of the week. But, you know, uh, again, tonight, uh, Lakers in Charlotte to to play the Hornets catch every minute of the hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app search Lakers. I know we said this in January, but we did it with the caveat of, you know, they play a lot at home, but the games are hard. Um, February and really through the end of the year, you know, the, the statistical analysis of the strength of schedule and all that stuff does start to favor the Lakers. Like if, you know, so if you come back on this trip with the weirdest four and two ever, um, the most improbable four and two ever, it's exactly what you could have asked for if you diagrammed it at the beginning of the trip. Um, There is an opportunity. You will have the all-star break to kind of decompress and all that and you know build a little momentum going in decompress build other than lebron and ad the two guys who need it the most but lebron is very good at um no but they but it's busy though it's it's not a decompression you're right but it is it is not your own time you are not relaxing on a beach there's no question but lebron i think at this point has it down to a science to do what he needs to do over that over that stretch um it's why you just can't quite give up on the team. Like nope. it's like it's still an opening there. They can look what they did this weekend, and there's still an opening. The schedule gets a little better, and <sighs> it's Michael Corleone and the Godfather Three. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah, beats the alternative. I'll tell you that much. Yep. Rather be teased by my team and frustrated by my team then uh know full well that there ain't a bleeps 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 and bleep that anything's going to turn around over the next 30 something games locked on liquors on youtube is where you can go to see the show hang out with over twenty-two thousand subscribers we of course will be back after uh the game in charlotte that had better be a freaking win over the, the hornets come on i'll uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow